0: All right, Hebra, thank you so much for joining. Just make sure we're recording. Recording in There you go. Thank you guys so much for joining our shir, the Siyat jumping back into our learning and our study of Sicha Saran, Rabbi Nachman's incredible teachings. With Hashem's help, the Siyat and in the merit of all of these special souls that are tuning in to learn together from all around the world, In the middle of the summer, it's a a very special thing. And I appreciate it. All of us appreciate it because we all benefit and we all gain from every additional neshama that joins us to learn together with Hashem's help. So I'm going to share my screen so we can jump back into what we actually began learning last week, which was Sichas Haran, it should say Nun, I think it should say Nun Gimel, let me check inside. Um, no, no, nun bays, right? Nun aleph was the very long one, right? Nun bays. So we jumped into nun bays, and we spent a great deal of time just learning the pashtos, just learning the simple meaning of the words. And there's a whole lot to get to, like we showed at the end of last week's shir. There's a lot of sources, and so we're gonna try to we're gonna try to move through this. There's a lot to do, and it's very deep, and it's very foundational. And uh we'll get to whatever we're supposed to get to with Hashem's help, and. Uh, and it's going to be amazing. So let's first take a refresh, a look at Sih Nun which like I said, we started two weeks ago and then last week I wasn't able to give the She'er, and then um, we're continuing now. So let's refresh. Okay, so we're looking at Sih Nun Beis, and the Tzadik says as follows. Hashem's kavod, which we explored and described in terms of the presence of Hashem, the living presence, right, the feeling that we can get from having this perception that we're not alone, that presence is soic, it screams, it shouts. It's constantly making itself known mikol hadvarim, from everything in the world. Mikol hadvarim Hashem izbarach, because the whole world, like the Pasik says, is filled, is saturated, is permeated with Hashem's presence. And so Ibn Nachman says, it's not just like something passive, it's so ache, it's shouting. But the key is, and this is what we learned last week, the question is whether we have the ears to hear it, whether we have the eyes to see it, right? Because it's objectively there. The question is always on a subjective level, where are we? The R, the light, the neshama is always there. It's just a question of making kalim to allow that to manifest in our lives. And so the question is, do we have we developed this perspective that allows our senses to be able to pick up on that which is deeper than ordinarily, um, or that, that than ordinary perceptive uh, uh, input that we would be able to to feel or hear or see and so on. So Rabbi Nachman says, if we have the right kalim, then we call we'll see. We call hadavarim from everything. Hashem is Hashem's honor, Hashem's presence, Hashem's glory, is shouting, like hollering from everything. and Rabbi Nachman extends this and reflects on the extent to which HaKadosh Baruch Hu's glory saturates everything. The Rebbe says, Even from the stories, the simple fairy tales that are told over by the by the non-Jews, by the nations of the world, from there also, not just it whispers and you have to really listen, <laughs> It shouts, it's so, it's so blatant, it's so obvious. <laughs> that there's any place that there's any creativity any place that there's any little bit of color, of texture, of life, of imagination, anything that manifests in this world, in as much, again, we're not talking about Dvar masurim, right? Obviously, we're not speaking about, uh, you know, novels or, or you know, or, uh, about things that are unsavory and things that we're, we need to stay away from to be We're talking about simple things, simple things that are in the world, you know, uh, things that are that are pariv, so to speak, that aren't mamash asr, right? So from those things which are fall under the category of what the Balatanya would, would talk about is klipas noga, or that middle sort of category between those things that are mitzvahs and those things that are mamashavayris, but the gray area in between, sayik, from those stories, the, the the glory, the presence of Hashem is shouting out from there too. Kameshu as the Pasik says, Sapru bagoyim right which literally on a literal level means the simple understanding is that let the nations of the world sapru bagoyim kvayda let them tell over his glory and it's sort of like a messianic vision that one day the whole entire world will be unified in this very high level of god consciousness and everybody will be talking about what really matters and the pusik says an amazing thing the pusik says That at that point in history, nobody will be teaching anybody else. Everyone will just know, everyone in and of their own contemplation, in and of their own receptivity on a spiritual soul level, everybody will attain that incredible level of But Rabbi Nachman says that the Pasuk means something deeper as well, which is sapru, can mean sipur, like a story, That even the stories that are told in the circles of those that seem to be outside the boundary of Kedusha, there too, Even the stories that are concocted by minds that are very far from the Torah, that are very far from contemplating holiness, spirituality, and so on and so forth, there too, if a person has the right ears and the right eyes, not necessarily that we should be looking for Hashem in those places, but in as much as we encounter them, you know, through osmosis and the culture that we live in, whether it's in America or any Western culture, and we, or, any, or any culture for that matter, and things throughout history always seeped in. Yiddishkeit is so good at, at inculcating things from the nations of the world and then, you know, bringing them into, into a way of holiness. So if, if you happen to, to see a Disney film or, you had, or your kid is, you know, watching something or reading something or, or, or just things that you grew up with, look very deeply there and you can find the Kavod of Hashem if we have the right eyes and the right ears. <speaking in Hebrew> because the glory, the presence of Hashem is calling out to each and every one of us constantly. <speaking in Hebrew> and it is summoning. And hinting to the person, Hashem is saying, please, please approach me. Please, don't do me a favor. I mean, Hashem is not saying, like, do it for me. Don't do me a favor. But for you, for you, meaning for each and every Jew, to be able to live a life of kirvah selokim, to be able to live a life of true yeshavadas, which we'll learn about Bezer Hashem in the next year. True Emuna, true yeshavadas, true bittel, paradise. Paradise. Hashem is constantly inviting us into Ganeden. Constantly. Constantly inviting us all the time. And we sabotage ourselves, like we spoke so much about last week. And we think that we're ki'ilu when we like throw up a tfila like we're, we're doing Hashem a favor, you know? It's Mamish Puntfakir. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Hashem is constantly inviting us to live in Ganeden, to live in a world that's shining, to be able to hang around people that are growth-oriented, that are real. To be able to shake off the dust of ego and lowliness and 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 to be medabic ourselves in the eternal, in the infinite. To be able to use our time properly in this world and to create something beautiful. That's what Torah is. That's what the mitzvahs are. The ways of the Torah are sweet. It's mamish, filled with life. There's nothing sweeter than this kind of living. You have to do it right. And Hashem is constantly, constantly bringing a person close in His great mercy and in His great love and adoration. Okay, that's step one. And this, that a person sometimes finds that he's incredibly inspired during davening. It could even come suddenly, out of nowhere, a person is going through davening all of a sudden he's in the brach of and Something happens inside of him. He's not quite sure what. Something amazing happens. And all of a sudden, he he just feels it. So sometimes that can happen. And and sometimes this is part of what we were speaking about before. Rabbi Nachman's bringing a more a more a common example, an instance, but. It could happen even when you're walking down the street. It could happen at the most random moments, certainly at moments of high intensity, high spirituality moments under your chuppah. I bless all of us to be able to find our zivuk hagan v'nachin of mamish and be'ita mana at the right time. And hafek kratzein me'ez HaShem, that the Baruch is sending down all of our zivugim to stand under the chuppah. When a person brings a child into the world, right? At that moment, right? There, there are just moments where gates open, gates open, and they could be in moments of great joy, and like we've spoken about actually in the context of Bishir, and toward the beginning, they could also be in moments of great and profound darkness where also somehow a gate opens up and somehow we realize that it's not only Hashem Nosan that when, I, when, I, when we get something in our lives, okay, there we see Hashem manifesting, also Hashem Lakach. That also sometimes when a person loses a loved, a loved one, right, Rechmona Litzlan, nobody should ever know from such a thing. A person goes through a, 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 a tragic experience. Sometimes in that moment also, it's a pesach. It's a gate that opens. Hashem luckach. It's, it's somebody took something. It's it's Hashem reaching into our lives, taking taking something we appreciate. Whether whether again, whether it's a person, whether it's a, a you know something in our a job or, or whatever it is. But some something negative that we go through can also be a doorway. But Benachman uses. Um, A more common example, that mamish during davening, all of a sudden the gates could open in an amazing way. And he finds that he's davening with a cheshek, and a tefillah shkura, merutza b'fiv. He's able to daven properly. So he says, Amazing thing. He says, this is mamish, the light of Hashem himself, that you're experiencing in that moment. Because a person could read this. A person reads the first half of the Si and says, okay, I believe it, right? I believe. Like I, I believe. Yeah, I believe that that um that Hashem's glory is screaming out. But like we're what is it? Hashem is not a person, so I don't expect to hear somebody speaking to me or leaving me a WhatsApp, right? How does he communicate? So Ibn Ahmed says, well, hold on one second. There are experiences that we can already point to, that we that we remember, that we've experienced. And it just it's it's just a matter of saying, ah that that was Hashem. That was Hashem. That was a gilui of, of of the divine. And you needed Sadik to, to point that out to you. That Sadik, who's familiar already with the fingerprint of the divine, to be able to point at instances in our lives where we know something happened, but we couldn't quite find the bravado, you know, or the or the maybe the the Azas to Kadusha to say, wow, that was Mamash Hashem. Like and the tzaddik says, "No, that was Hashem. That was Hashem. And that moment that you felt that a, a gate open, what is that? That's the light of Hashem shining into your life. It's mamish as if it's an invitation in the mail that you got to the Armoynu Malach, to the to the palace of the king. It's a it's a it's an invitation. And Hashem is if we if we're attuned to it, Hashem is inviting us all the time." From within ourselves, like what we hear in Tefillah, feelings that we get—a moment of inspiration, a moment of depth, a moment of silence, stillness, desire to grow—we're coming up to El, right? Beisr Hashem, uh, we shouldn't—we shouldn't have a Tishavah. I mean, we should have a Tishavah. That's a great yantif. But but we're coming up to El, right? Time of Tshuva, that inner voice that compels us to grow, that that pushes us into honesty and into self-reflection and so on and so forth. That could come from inside, but then outside, everywhere you look, if you, if we have the right eyes. We see, Mama Shashem is sending us invitations all the time. This is a revelation of God that a person feels this passion, a person feels this, this openness, this this um, this awe, sense of awe. That's a revelation of God. The pasuk says, He is your praise. He is your God. Meaning the tefillah itself and that experience in davening of great gates opening. That's Hashem. Hashem Himself, so to speak, is the tefillah on a very deep level, right? When we're able to really have a spiritual experience during davening and we're really able to achieve a certain a certain elevation, a certain rising above the normal frequency that we live under, which is very challenging because, you know, three times a day you're davening. So it's like it becomes part of your schedule, right? Or for the woman, whether it's once a day or twice a day or, or a couple times a week or, or whenever, right? But but it, it, it's especially for men who three times a day, it can easily become part and parcel of the regular standard frequency that we operate on the rest of the day, which means to say that the same way I need to drop my kid off at the doctor, right, and I, and I need to pick this one up from here, and I need to do this for work, and I need to go for, to you know to this place for a meeting, so that all, oh, and also I have to have mincha, and then I have to do this and that and the other thing. So what is mincha? Mincha means that I'm still in the same consciousness that I am the rest of the day. And that's that's the opposite of what tefillah is supposed to do. Tefillah is an invitation, is an opportunity to go through a portal that Mamish enables me to leave and to close the door behind on the rest of the day, on the rest of the frequencies that our ordinary minds are wrapped up in, which HaKadosh Baruch wants that they should be because that's part of being a human being. Hashem doesn't want us sitting and meditating the whole day, which would be very beautiful, but that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem needs us to be regular human beings, down, regular, you know. Bezer with, Hashem, with, with, you know, it's a spouse, children, a community, friends, a, a, a job, being a human being. That's, that's, that's the that's the tachlis, right? But Hashem wants to give us little portals throughout the day. It's called tefillah, where we're able to walk in, close the door gently behind us, and enter into a realm of silence, enter into a realm of stillness. So Rebbe Nachman says that if a person has such a experience, and then there are levels and levels and levels and levels and levels and levels. But if the gates open during such an experience, that's Mama Shashem. So he says, but if a person doesn't sometimes, sometimes doesn't get to experience such a thing. Let's say a person can't remember the last time that you know he really had an experience like that when the gates opened and he felt it. So he says, We come to shul, right? We're at home or davening. So, so he says that's, that's one thing, right? Meaning like we just said, person feels, whoa, he's really, really, Hashem is really here. But sometimes he says, But sometimes a person feels that that experience is, is, is very far away from that person. What do we do then? So he says, so you keep on daviding. But you need to be the proactive one in this tefillah. Then when Hashem is not necessarily, you know, opening the door in such an overt, obvious way, you got to bang that door down. Hashem is far away? Good. Throw your tefillahs after him. Hashem yahavcha. So then, we have to move into our gear to go ahead and to try as best as we can to enable our tefillas to reach Hashem with power, with 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 uh, stubbornness, right? That if Hashem is not giving us the madrigo, which oftentimes he does, makes no difference. We have to be be the ones to go ahead and to and to and to cast our prayers, right? al <laughs> Hashem doesn't say place delicately, gently your tefillas on Hashem, so to speak. You have to throw them, throw them. Throw means connotes that the thing that you are throwing toward is far away. (laughs) To throw after Hashem. Don't give up. So there are going to be moments when the gate is is open. And that's an invitation to walk right into Hashem's embrace. And then when the gates are closed, that's also an invitation. It's an invitation to find the wherewithal (laughs) within you to throw your prayers after God. Two kinds of imitations, like we said before, Hashem nasa and Hashem lokach. Hashem is constantly, constantly attempting to reach us, to contact us. And a person comes to the realization that every experience, whether it's an overtly um, clear spiritual experience, or whether it seems that the gates are shut, both of those are unique opportunities. They just require different responses, different attitudes. But at the end of the day, if a person is sensitive, then he realizes, like Rabbi Nachman says, this terminology: kol Hadvar. from everything—the good days and the hard days, the, you know, the sunny days, the cloudy days—a good a, a good where we're feeling it, and a tefillah where we have no cheshek. Everything, everything, everything's Hashem constantly calling out to us bringing us close out of his great mercy and his love and his desire for us, not for him, for us to live the most exalted lives that we can, we can possibly live, redeemed lives, lives of redemption, lives of redemption. So let's delve into these ideas just a little bit opening this sugya. It's very, very deep to, to even talk about any of this and how the physical realm which seems to cover and conceal Hashem can actually be seen as the greatest revelation of godliness. We're going to try just step by step to open this sugya using a couple of different teachings from Rabbi Nachman and uh, we'll see where it takes us. I hope that it takes us to the end, <laughs> to the end of the sources, but we'll see. It says, in the Kutumran Torah, Dalid, which is a lengthy Torah. But this is toward the end. So the Rebbe says, and we're going to learn more, hopefully, we're going to learn more from this Torah in the in the last note. She so says, Okay, a lot unpack here, okay? Malchus, let's just first translate, because Malchus, Kingship, which is an aspect of letters that are used in speech, kol ois each and every letter, melu has enclosed within it, ritzayin Hashem the will of God. I could spend the rest of this year on this one sentence. We'll try to go very quickly here. Malchus is a reference to the sphera of Malchus to the final of the 10 creative steps with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created and sustains the world and interacts with the world. And on a very, very zoomed out level without getting into all the particularities and the details, Malchus, generally speaking, is associated with the created world, with the physical world, right? The world that we inhabit, the world that we're living in now is the level called Malchus. Malchus is a kli, it's a receptacle that receives all the different energies from all the spheres that are coming down into it. It's the ultimate goal, it's the ultimate purpose of the whole creative process. And here we are, and we're surrounded by this realm of Malchus. And Malchus is like the guf, it's like the body, right? In a certain sense, it's the it's the vessel. Just like the physical world is a vessel for all the spiritual energies that are coming down within it to enliven it. So the Zarakadish tells us that Malchus is connected to the functionality of speech. To the function of speech. I'm not getting into all the prate pratim now. All the spheres contain within them all of the spheres. So that means that if there's Keser, Chachma, Bina, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hod, Malchus—the ten spheres. Each and every one of them contain all the ten. Right? So Chesed contains within it, Keser Shevachesed, Chachma Shevachesed, Gvura Shevachesed, and, and, and so on and so forth. right? bina Chesed, and all the way down. Each of the ten, now, and each of those ten contain ten, and this is the way it goes. Adding sofa, adding tachlis. It gets very, very complicated, as you might imagine, when the spheres themselves align with the four worlds, which align with the four letters of Hashem's name, which align with the four parts Sufim, which align with the four miluim of Hashem, and all of, and, which, and, and all of these have within them all of the others sof, right? If the human being is so complex and the human being is only an embodied manifestation of the spheres, then imagine how complex the spiritual realm is. It's it's no less scientific, it's no less uh, it's no less complicated and nuanced and delicate, right? Every atom in the in, 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 in existence, every fiber of our being has a spiritual source. And so on a without go, going on to the prate prate prate, but on a zoomed-out level, if the head is Kesser. So, keser contains within it all the spheris. And in this scheme, there are different ways of interpreting it. All of the different openings in the mouth correspond to the different spheris that exist within the keser, within the head, within the skull. In this scheme, malchus is connected to the mouth, the peh. Why? Very simple. Because if the if malchus is the ultimate revelation, if malchus is the final step, if malchus is the vessel, the purpose, the tachlis, so then think about what the mouth is vis-a-vis the brain. The brain can think any number of thoughts. I can sit here, wouldn't be that interesting, right? No, because you, can't, you don't know what's going on in my head. But when I speak it out, ah, that's, that's an embodied, that's, that's, a, that's a manifested, actualized uh, process where something began in a hidden place, in a spiritual place, where you can't exactly point to my thought. It, it exists in the realm of spirituality. And then it comes out into the real world in such a way that it exists, it's manifest. Which of course, is one of the reasons that Hashem created our physical world with Dibor, with the Aseres with with HaDibris, and that also, but the Asara the 10 utterances with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, which of course correspond to the Aseres in a very deep way. Why speech? Because this world is Malchus. This world is the actualized final product. And so a Baruch Hu goes through kibiyachal in a mashal. Hashem doesn't have a mouth. Hashem doesn't have a form. It's just mashalim. But a Baruch Hu, so to speak, goes through the process of speech in the sense that speech takes a thought and then utilizes physical elements like breath, the production of a voice, all the different uh, uh, parts of the mouth to go ahead and enunciate and articulate that thought so that it emerges in an actualized way. And that's why Malchus is connected to Diburim. Says Rabbi Nachman, Malchus, which is connected to the letters of speech. Each and every one of those letters is a garment for the highest, deepest, most elemental, primordial will of Hashem. Why is that? Because again, in as much as the spheres are a a creative process and Malchus is the culmination or the final, final Maccabepatish actualization, well, what is it actualizing? Hmm. Must be that it is the actualization of a creative process that had to have begun with a motive, with an impetus. Because... If we don't create mindlessly, certainly, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who is mind, who is consciousness, infinite consciousness, needed to have had a motive. Now that motive might be hidden from us, which is why Kesser, the first sphere, is called Ayin. It's it's unfathomable. It's it's beyond our mind's ability to grasp. We have some inklings, but ultimately, Kesser, we can't even talk about. We have, we have no idea ultimately what Hashem's will is in in all of this. We don't know. We could come up with different different reasons, but. Not so strong. Not, not the, uh, we, don't, we don't have that ultimate insight. But Keser is the will of God. Keser is the first Sphira. Malchus is the last Sphira. So Mimela turns out an amazing thing. Which Sphira is the furthest from Keser? The answer is Malchus. Well, if you're moving from a place of total infinite spirituality, and then going through a creative process to finally culminate in a physical, filthy, lowly, dirty, material, dross, corporeal world, then you'd think that there's nothing more antithetical, or or there's nothing more, there's no greater contrast, there's nothing more oppositional to Keser than Malchus. Because think of it, Keser is mamish. Uh, the, 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 there are svarim that the Ramak holds not this way, but the Ramakubalim that hold that kesser is the Ein Sof already. Mamish like that's Hashem Himself. That's that's the essence of Hashem, so to speak. And even the svarim that hold that hold the keser is not that, and those are two separate things. And keser is a stage. It's not referring to Hashem Himself. Still hold that keser because of its proximity to the Ein Sof. Shares in some of its aspects, so to speak. The Vilna writes that that Mamish Kesser, we could refer to Kesser as the Ein Sof. The Rama hints to this as well, even though he's you know, one of the primary shtetzes that holds. No, Kesser is not as all whole in Pardes remind him that Kesser is not Ein Sof. But al will call Kesser is very very lofty. And then you look at Malchus. I mean, look around, look around at our world, right? It's, it's <laughs> I mean it, it couldn't get further from godliness. Couldn't get, couldn't become, couldn't become less godly if it tried," says Rabbi Nachman. "No," says Rabbi Nachman. "No, it's not true." Question is how we're looking at it. Because while on the one hand you're right, in a certain aspect and in a certain respect, there's nothing further from keser than malchus. Ah, Hayli thank you so much for coming. Right, there's nothing further from 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 keser than malchus. But on the other hand, in as much as Malchus is only the actualization of what existed first in Keser, meaning the will of Hashem, so then, wait a second, we're sitting within the actualized Ratzon of Hashem. That's an incredible thing. Because on the one hand, wait a second, but this world is so lowly. Could be, but that's how God wanted it. And and as much as that's how he wanted it, we're sitting within a reflection of God's mind. And in that sense, there's nothing closer to keser than malchus. Because all the spheres in between reflect an incomplete picture of what first existed in God's will. And Hashem is one with His will. Which means He's one with the world. In every single one of its aspects, Hashem is running this show. And he wants that we should have the illusion that we're in control, and he wants that we should have the and he wa- and so on and so forth. But collectively, as a whole, Hashem is running the ship. This is exactly how he wants it, which is part of what makes Kesser so unfathomable. Because, like, really, like this is what the the, the ineffable, you know, uh, unfathomable God wanted, and they, and must be, must be. That's why we say in the soif Masa, the final, final, final act. Is super close to the primordial first thought that Hashem had about creating the world. Says bin Nachman, good. So you see letters in Malchus, you see letters, you see speech, you see actualized thinking. Every single one of those letters is a garment for the will of Hashem, to the deepest revelation of God there is. Let's read further. Because literally this was Hashem's will in an incredibly deep way. Hashem wanted, this letter should look this way. Just on a simple level. The letters of the Aleph base. You look at them, they look like they're very nice, like on a piece of paper. Like it could be anything written there. And you turn the page and there's Hebrew letters. Those letters emerged from the mind of the divine. No human being sat down and decided a Kush should look this way. When you look at a letter, you're looking at a projection of the infinite mind of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Incredible thing. Letters. The Hebrew alphabet. Those letters were the building blocks of everything corporeal, as we know. And Rabbi Nachman brings down from the Mishra Kodesh and from others that the name of a person in its form contains the, the likeness of the person in some sense. Right? It's, it's, like, it's like a code right? But everything is the Aleph Beisah. Hashem <inaudible> Hashem created everything <inaudible> with his diburim. And so it all begins with a will that Hashem had for the building blocks and then ultimately as they pass through the interface of Malchus, it becomes this world. It becomes all the different energies that come together to form water, fire, air, dust, and so on and so forth and the combinations between all of those things that manifest in everything that we find around us. It was Hashem's will that this letter should look this way. And the letter Bay shouldn't look like the Gimel and the Gimel shouldn't look like the Ches and Hashem planned this all out. Incredible thing. So we find Hashem's desire which is manifest and reflected in the different shapes and the forms of the Hebrew letters which are the building blocks of all of creation. They reveal Hashem's kingship. They reveal Hashem's architecture. the And all of these desires that are reflected in a world that we can perceive. That we look around and we see what this world looks like. We just get used to it. It didn't have to look this way. We could have, we could have been born into a, 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 a completely different uh, atmosphere or environment. We think this is normal. And then the history books tell us it was always like this. And scientists predict it will always be this way whoa why why are things the way they are why do things feel the way they are why do they look the way they, that they look why do they sound the way that they sound why do things smell the way they smell it didn't have to be this way but it is this way why is it this way because hashem turned himself inside out kebiachl and it turned and it turned into the world that we see that we live inside of so all of this the all of these desires which are all the different visions that we can see with our physical, fleshy, gashmiyazdika eyes, nimshachim ein sheein They come from, they originate in Hashem's formless infinity. Incredible thing to consider. And we know all will Kabbalah, without getting to the depth of it, that literally, you know, this world is folded up into Hashem. There are deeper, deeper levels, but everything exists concurrently. It's all, it's all, it's all it's all here. It's all here and now. We are within the Khalala Panui that's surrounded by the Arya we, we are This is There's nothing closer than godliness. says Rebbe Nachman, everything that you can see and every instance or expression of yeshus, of actualized existence within the world whether it's your your own sense of self right or other people in your life or the things that you see anything that's toface makom anything that exists within this world osiyas, that's all founded on the oisius of hashem malchus from his speech is creative dibor which is the revelation of his kingdom Ki malchus. that's that's where all yeshus comes from because god wanted to make himself known so to speak hashem wanted to go ahead and to manifest himself so every sense of anything existing is only because hashem decided that he wanted like we said to turn himself inside out so to speak and so therefore he created the world from 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 nothing Liyesh to something, and again, any desire, which means the letters, the way that they look, and everything that those letters form, which is the, which is the aspect of Malchus. They're all in this moment drawing on the will of the infinite mind who's present in as much as what he wants is being actualized by him in front of our eyes. And so everybody wants to know, where is God? How do you see Hashem? And the Katsukur said, wherever you let him in, because he's surrounding you all the time in the form of everything that he created, which is the manifestation of his will. The question is whether we're going to let that in. As the Gemara Megillah says, wherever you find Hashem's greatness, says Rabbi Nachman, what's Hashem's greatness? That's a reference to Hashem's malchus, which is Hashem's keser, his will. So even though you might be looking at a plethora of things, you might be looking at the, the, the diverse multiplicity of so many different items and objects and experiences and encounters and and this world is filled with just so much, but in as much as we're contemplating on the world that Hashem wanted and manifested through the creative process of the spheres, then there you'll find His Anivus, which means His simplicity, His Pashtus, which is unity, oneness. Because it might be a great deal of things, but they all came from the mind of the single inventor. And they're all supposed to work in tandem in a way that we can't currently grasp to bring about an ultimate, ultimate, ultimate goal that Hashem knows. And Hashem is actively bringing everything along in a very, very smooth process, even though it looks very rocky to us, to demonstrate, All right, that one day we're gonna laugh from all of this. We're gonna laugh from all of this. It's gonna be so clear. It's going, to be, it's going to be so absurd how we didn't see it unfolding before our eyes. But there are some people that are zalichah to see it. Some people, to different degrees, who can open their eyes. And Rebbe was trying to turn us into those kinds of people who can live on that level who can live on that level to find Hashem's kavod, which of course is connected to His malchus, as the Pasuk says, and we said this last time, k'vod malchuscha Yoimeru. right, the kavod of your malchus yoimeru also connected to speech, of course, and barach uh, shein kavod malchuscha yoymeiru, kavod and malchus always go together. And so this goes back to what Rabbi Nachman said over here, mikhol hadvarim soyek k'vod Hashem is barach. Where? Everything's physical. Everything, the, every door is closed. No, Hashem is the door. <laughs> Hashem is the door. You thought that the door was closed. It's not letting you into the spiritual realm. The door itself is, is spiritual. The door itself is a projection of the divine mind. There's nothing closer than Hashem. You're surrounded by You're swimming in Him. You are an embodiment of His Ratzon in this moment. As you are. Amazing thing. As you are, right now. Doesn't mean, maybe, I know for myself, I have a lot to work on. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not under the illusion that I'm I'm there. But two things could be true at once. In a Hanami, vis-a-vis the future, when I'm in that moichin, got a lot to do. And I have, hopefully, things that I'm, I'm going to accomplish in my personal life and learning and, 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 and different things that I want to do. But that doesn't take away from the moach of the now, which means in this moment, if everything were to just freeze frame, everything's going according to plan. Everything's going exactly according to plan. You are a reflection of the Ratzon of a Kurdish Baruch. Hu. And all the while that we try to fight against it, there's a little bit of a, of a lack of emunah there. There's a little bit of non-acceptance and a Jew has to do both we have to of course not accept because we have to fix the world and we have to do so much and we, we can't be complacent we can't just sit tight and just let things happen but underlying all of that needs to be the awareness that after all of our efforts tachlis, end of the day Shem's in control not me that's why the Mishnah says you don't have to do everything but you're not either allowed to just sit and do nothing. So it's always this balance, Rabbi Nachman refers to as on the one hand, got to accomplish. On the other hand, shayv. what's Shav? Rabbi Nachman says, when I sink down into the depth of, of even hell, right, even things that look so dark and things that look so broken and things that look so backward, three Remarkable letters, and when you put them together, spell one. I think one of the most gorgeous, glorious words I ever heard. Hineka, he, you are here already. You're here. Then there's the level of ratzay, which is in esak shama, in Okay, we gotta go. We gotta travel. We gotta accomplish. We gotta. But these two things need to be a dance. And when we feel like we're losing it, and we feel like. We were because we're so bent on improving the world, then we reflect back on the state of the world vis-a-vis our ideal or the ideals of the pesukim that we're learning or the neviim or the, or And then you open the news and you're like, what's going on here? Remember, shift back into shayiv mode. Everything's going according to plan. It's very deep. Mikol Hadvarin Tzayig k'vayd Hashem isbara. Hashem is indeed here, and there, and everywhere. It's true. Up, up, down, down, v'chule. Okay, the second source, the Kutim Ram Lamad Gimel. Vitzarich leDas Rabbi says over here, Hashem alay Chalal Arz that the whole entire earth is saturated with His glory, like we've learned with His presence. Veleis asar there's no place vacant of him. No place vacant. None that can't be. He's the mekayim shel olam. If anything exists, it exists within him, and not just within him. Meaning, he's the container. He's the heichatimtza. He's the premise. He's actively bringing it into being for reasons that Hakadosh Baruch Hu has. Certain things for us to choose to engage in. Certain things for us to choose to stay away from. But in as much as it exists, it's filled with Hashem's presence. Less asar there's no place that can be devoid of him because if it was devoid of him it's not a place it's, it's not loyal it's, it doesn't it's not part of the fills all the worlds and surrounds all the worlds and therefore even if a person is for one reason or another spending his whole day working with non-jews the whole day which doesn't mean it's not like non-Jews themselves, they're very wonderful, uh, you know, non-Jews, but it means working surrounded by, by a lower level of, of culture, sensitivity, or, or exposure to things that otherwise he wouldn't have exposure to and so on and so forth. And is the whole day from nine to five, right? Or sometimes even later than that. It's just surrounded by just not an ideal environment. Says so, Rabbi Nachman, I don't want to hear any excuses. From such a person, are saying, Ah, is How could I serve Hashem in such a situation? All the time I'm dealing with uh with with physicality and 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 just things that I'm exposed to and things that I see and things that I hear and just the atmosphere. he's constantly experiencing, because that's his setting, that's where he spends his time. Says the Rebbe, no. Can't can't use that as an excuse. <speaking in Hebrew> because Chazal already revealed to us <speaking> in <Hebrew> that in every physical place and in every little tiny inch of this world, in every single facet of the human experience, every single minute that contains any possible action or thought or word or experience or circumstance, everything. <speaking in Hebrew> And even in the conversations of the non-Jews, <speaking in Hebrew> you cannot claim. Well, what can I do? I don't have access to a shul. I don't have access to a base medrash. Who told you that God is? Lo- if you have a perception like that, you're the one locking God into shul and locking him into the base medrash. It's a. It's Chazal were lamenting the fact. That because of the Khurban after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, people people trumpet that as if like it's an exciting thing, like oh Chazal say Hashem can only be found in Alacha. Ch- Chazal were lamenting that was a that was a that was a, that, unbelievable. It's a, it's a whole different way. That was an effect of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash that Hashem went into Gullahs. Where did he go? We locked him into Alacha, as if that's the only place where God could be found. That's the Bediyeved. That's it's not a chila. That's not how Hashem wants it. And as we get closer to Mashiach, it's up to you and me to redeem Hashem. To redeem Him from the Shul. To redeem Him from the Beis Medrash. Avada to engage with Him there because that's where our Chiyuvim are. And that's part of Hashem's master plan that we should be involved in Beruim through Halacha. That a question. But it's up to you and me as we get closer to Mashiach de derech de tev, to enable Hashem to be found with an air. Everything. Everything. That's part of the tikkun. You can see it as a chance to encounter God. Because if there wasn't any godliness there, in wouldn't exist. Those people, their conversations, would not exist. Look deeper. The Pasik says, Right, means Hashem, you alone are 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 keeping the whole world going, and so in as much as there's chayim in a certain place, there's there's the elikim chayim there. Kibaloy alekusai, right? Like we said, l'v'ah. So the problem is l'v'ah shachis v'alekus hazeh. Hashem betzimtsem gadol v'emiut. Problem is is that it's so 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 constricted. And it's so enclosed within many, many, many different layers of garments that prevent us from easily seeing it, unlike a shul or a base Medrash, right? Or an overtly holy place or around Sadiqim, and on Shabbos or Yantip where there, you could just feel it. You're surrounded by it. In these places, there's garments. But that doesn't mean it's not there. Like the famous mashal from the Balatanya. that The Baltania says there's no difference. Is there any difference if you're hugging a king when he's wearing five winter coats than when he's wearing his undershirt? <laughs> It's the king, right? It makes no difference how many garments he's wearing. So the Balatani says that's mamish how it is with this world. Sometimes at the king is in his undershirt, and and you know it's mamish okay, much closer to the king. But it makes no makes no difference. So you walk down the streets; so Hashem's wearing a couple of winter coats, but who's inside of it? Look look inside. It's all the, it's all the Bari the sustainer of the world, and there's always an opportunity for Taira, everything, everything, everything is an opportunity, every situation, to do a kindness, to be a kind thought, even. Think good thoughts, say a good word, send up a tefillah, a word of Taira, not like the shul or the or, or the, the, the world, the streets, the gas, the office, relationships. So he says it's there, but it's in it's just enough to keep it going, and not more. Because we know that a constricted himself, in many, 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 many different constrictions, and there are different places that are holier places and places that are less holy. But that just means, again, that there are places where it's easier to connect and places place that it's harder to connect. But it's not, here's the place where God is and that's the place where God isn't. There's no such thing. There is no such thing. Let's go to the next line, right? Where Hashem constricted Himself from that first thought, which was the ratzon of Hashem, keser, all the way down to the deepest, deepest, deepest core Of the earth the physical earth that we're standing on but if you're able to see the earth the letters as a reflection of what existed in Keser then you can find Hashem there too even though there's a lot of a lot of distraction and a lot of difficulty and challenge and it's very hard it's very very hard to stay focused with this consciousness very hard extremely hard And the lower things went, so to speak, in the chain of emanation, the more and more garments, the more hidden, the more hidden, the more hidden. And it doesn't just mean hidden like you can't see with your eyes. In life, it becomes hidden. Life, life itself, high to Hashem, so to speak. And it makes it very hard to connect with Him because we start to think that we are humans. And we think that this thing called a human being is like it's a normal thing, because there are seven billion of us, but it's a a total pellet. There aren't seven billion people, there's one person seven billion times. And one person, is a total wonder. If all of us looked like cats, for example, and all of a sudden there was one human being walking around the world, it would blow our minds. It would, it would be a total pellet to us. And if we were sentient cats, we would. I'm sure we would spend our whole lives trying to process the form of the human body and what it's able to accomplish and, 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 and its grandeur and so on and so forth. Okay, so there are seven billion of us. No, there's one of us seven billion times. It's a pellet. It's a, it's a, it's a total wonder. It's a total wonder. So he says, "Zeshigilu Chachaminu Zkana Davarcho." Puzzle, puzzle, Lano Pesach. So he says, "A Kodesh Baruch Hu opened up the gates for us through the words of Chazal." Shamaskali Yedaviyavin Shabchaladavaram Gashmi MiYishalakusiv Echiusai. That there's godliness and there's spiritual life force in everything. Listen to this. The Gemara Manachis Lamedaladavibay says that the Taira says, "VaHailataytavay Zbeinin Acha," which means Tefillin Shaberaish. You should put it between your eyes. which itself is a very deep thing I was thinking about. what does it mean between your eyes? just parenthetically what it's not between our eyes. it goes over here, right And that's the, the Karites, right but said that Mamish they took it seriously without their so they made tiny little till and they put it between their eyes. But I was thinking something very deep. What does it mean for something to be between your eyes Mamish? If you have something that doesn't really have so much depth but it's just boom, it's just you put it right between your eyes. You can't see it, but it's it's as close to you as anything will be, right? It's it's on your it's on you. It happens to be in a place where your eyes can't see it. So I was thinking, Mamish, maybe this is what it means. Of course, it doesn't mean that the tefillin go between our. There's not enough space between our eyes, right? It, go, it has to go over here. There's the makam of tefillin, it's the pe'er, It goes over here. But what it means is is that everything that the tfilin shel roish represents which means consciousness of god realization of his presence in the world something that goes beyond beyond what the mind seems able to grasp needs to be kiilu beine Necha. that you can't see it but the only reason you can't see it is not because it's so far away because it's so darn close maybe this is the gilui of the tfilin shel Rosh. it's mamish benenacha it's 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 closer than anything just happens to be in a place where you can't see it. And, that, and that's how it is with the consciousness of Hashem. So, about these tefillin, in where does this word Taitatfais come from? We know it means doubled over, doubled over twice, there are four parshias. But what says the Gemara? It, it's a, it's a, um, a composite of two words, Tat and Pas. But these are not Hebrew words. Tat be kaspi This word Tat in this language called kaspi means two. And this word pas, in the language called Afrique, which is African, means two. When you put tat and faz together, it means two times two is four. What are Chazal intimating to us, that there's a word in the Torah that's not Hebrew. That's a conjugation of two words from the from the from the languages of the non-Jews, which means that there must be latent kedusha in the languages of the non-Jews if we're able to go ahead and to utilize their language and put it together in a word in the Torah. That in every single language and every single word in every language about whatever it is, a conversation that you overhear at work, dafka, maybe at the water cooler. If a person has the ears of Kedusha, the eyes of Kedusha, he can find the Let's go back to the Sih HaSoran. To the person that has developed that eyesight, to the person that has developed that incredibly elevated sense of hearing. And here is perhaps one of the most beautiful pieces in the one of my favorites. And we'll end with this for tonight, and then next week we'll finish it up with uh, with Gimel and Dalet. But we we made headway, and it's a good foundations, like the first level, and then we'll get into the other sources next week, hopefully. But let's finish off. This is shot on the Yerushalmi and Tainus. Rabbi Nachman says that the Gemara tells us that if a person should approach you and ask, where is your God? What should you answer him? What do you think we should answer him? Right? You'd right? You probably answer him in the Torah or in the Shul or in the base Medrash, or in the mitz in the tefillin, right? No. you should tell him Godol In the in the greatest metropolis in Rome. In the lowliest, filthiest, dirtiest place. Shenamar, to pasuk. Eli Hashem calls to me mi From where? From seir. Seir is connected to Esav, Har Seir, Edoim, Rome. Be amazing thing. So it would be amazing enough as a gemara, right? You learn it. it's like. It's a mind blow because it's just, it's so counterintuitive, and it speaks to so much of what we've been talking about. Ibn Nachman takes it ten miles deeper in his in, in inimitable way. Nimtza says the Rebbe this is how he read this gemara. Adam shashal he, shashal Let's reflect on the nature of the person asking this question. Obviously, this person is in 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 a in a, in a state of great concealment and profound constriction. How do we know? Because listen to his terminology. He's mamish like, like the Russian, the Manashtana, who removes himself from the rest of Am and speaks as if he's an outsider. Where is your God? But the Rebbe says, can you listen a little bit deeper to what he's saying? Listen deeper. You know what he's really asking? He's asking about himself. in means that this person is under the assumption that Hashem is completely and entirely distant from him, devoid of godliness. He's devoid of godliness. Rabbi Nachman, the answer wasn't just a strange answer to a radical question. It's mamish, the answer that we're able to give this Person as person, not and not question as question. We're telling him that even you who are asking this question, and it's not even asking; it's a, it's a desperate cry for help. It's, which is most people's questions about theology. They don't really know. Asking: Is there a God in the world? They're asking: Is there a God in me left in me who can ask such a question? Who's fallen so far? And Sir Ahmed says, no, skip all the babamises. Jump straight to the point. Answer the question. Answer the questioner. Listen deeply. What's he asking and why? Where's it coming from? And the answer is, That you, even you, that you f- think and perceive and live in, in a lowly state, find God there too. Because He gives life to everything. Hashem gives life to everything that's living. And from there, from the place that you're in, realizing it was Ratz and Hashem up until this moment, now take back hold of your Bechira and start to walk in a higher way. From where you are, you can grab hold of Him and begin today to start something new, to start to pre- to proceed, to progress, to grow. It's not distant from you. It's never distant from you. It's just there's a lot of garments you have to get past. So, bin B'Nachman, The answer that we're giving this person is not an answer to his question. It listens so deeply to the question that it perceives what's really being asked. Which, Ibn Nachman was generations ahead of his time. Because this is what we're learning today in, in our modern age. To listen so much more deeply to people's questions than the words that they're asking. What are they really saying? What's really the challenge? And then address that. Address that. Go to the core. Go to the heart. Go to the soul. And ultimately, at the core of all questions, especially of this nature, is just a person crying out for comfort, crying out for a ray of hope, crying out for any kind of illumination that they are going to be able to open the blackout shades in their inner bedroom. So that that light can filter through and reach them and warm them and give them hope and strength to stand up and make a new beginning. And this is Rabbi Nachman's Taich of this incredible Gemara. But that's what it goes back to. The Malchus of Hashem is an inversion, is an actualization of the deepest, deepest Gilui, the deepest revelation of Hashem. So there's nowhere else to go. Just look around with different eyes, elevated eyes. And then we're going to be able to open our eyes and ears to this reality that If not all the time, you know, for a few minutes every day, try to assume this perspective. Practice it mindfully. 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, okay? I'm going to be mindful now. I'm going to I'm gonna move into this consciousness. And anything that happens to me, I'm going to be listening very deeply to. And I'm going to think about it. I'm going to reflect upon it in the moment and afterwards. 15 minutes. You realize Hashem is a lot closer than He seems. Okay. Thank you so much for joining. I hope everybody's doing well. Having a great summer. And um, wishing everybody the most beautiful rest of your day, rest of your week. And we'll see you next week. Thank you all for joining. Ashrenu. Thank you, Khevra. Cultiv. Recordings.